I did read on your your profile um, that you actually came face to face with a an actual bear. Yep, an oh. actual bear. And I look down, and there's a fresh set of paw prints. Oh no! And another small, smaller set of paw prints. And I realized immediately I was out there with a mama bear and her baby cub. We all have bears in our life. So that could be leaving an abusive relationship for you today. That could be starting your own business, but you're afraid it might fail. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. This is a podcast that is all about human connection, shared experiences, and just finding that line of humanity by being refreshingly honest about our human experience. Um, so this season, we are all about setting goals and, um, well, not just setting goals, but also what this year has been like for us and how do we move forward from a year that has just been so insane. Today I have with me Holly Jackson and I am so excited to have her on the show. If you haven't heard of Holly, check her website out. I, I read her bio and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Uh, Holly, hi, would you like to give us a quick introduction? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Holly Jean Jackson, and I'm a visionary success coach. I have a very unique approach to coaching. I'm a health coach, a life coach, and a business coach with 12 years of experience in technology across industries. And I ultimately am so passionate about helping people design the life of their dreams through entrepreneurship and scaling their business to the next level so that we can have happiness 360 degrees at home and in business. Wow. And uh, do you find the coaching business to be something that's, um, I, I don't know, like, I feel like there's a lot of coaches out there nowadays. Like, how do you manage to become a coach in this day and age? And um, is, it, is it something that people are actually interested in right now? That's a great question. So in terms of becoming a coach, there's not really a specific manual. So you could have a coach that's not certified by any means. You can have a quote unquote business coach that has no real world experience. So it's really important if you are seeking a coach or a mentor, do your research, do your due diligence, make sure they have some credentials, they have real world experience in the business arena, especially looking for a business guide. And also in terms of the coaching space and the industry in general, absolutely, people are still looking for coaches. But I think also for me, what makes me a bit different is I also do consulting. So there are people that need coaching and guidance, but there are also people, especially at the CEO level of their company, where they just want somebody to do it for them. And so consulting is a great way to subsidize the coaching business if you have that skill set. Mm -hmm. And then you can offer so much more value to your clients. Okay, that that's really interesting. I mean, um, I I'm for one, am a fan of coaches, um, but I did want to ask you. I was speaking to someone about this whole coaching industry, and I like I I got a, co a personal coach, like a personal trainer to lose weight, and right now I'm I'm currently working with a business coach as well to develop a product. And I was speaking to someone about this whole coaching industry, and they had this comment that it's a rich person's thing. What would you say to that? <laughs> Well, I think that's a big misnomer, and that would be creating an even larger divide between have and have not. 
I think regardless of where you are, what phase you're in life, we all need coaches and mentors. And so let's say you don't have a lot of money to invest in yourself, find a mentor. That's basically the free version of a coach. That's somebody that has experience that's personally invested in your future and you being successful. So if you don't have money to invest in a coach, find an amazing mentor that's a few steps ahead of you. And, and I don't agree. It's only a rich man's thing. Like I believe that there's so many entrepreneurs that are getting started and growing their business and they don't have necessarily a lot of resources or finances to get started, but from personal experience and anybody I know who's been successful in creating anything, you have to invest in yourself, Mm -hmm. whether that's time or money and coaching is going to get you there so much faster. So stop kidding yourself. Stop, you know, wasting time or giving yourself excuses, because let's be real, when you invest a financial investment towards yourself, you're going to show up in a very different way of Mm. being committed and taking action, even when it's scary, because you've invested your dollars. So you're going to show up in such a different way. Yeah, no, that's so true for, for real. You feel it. You feel that investment and you you feel like you want to see the return. And I totally agree with what you said earlier about doing the research when you find a coach, because I actually, when I was looking for my the new coach I'm working with now for my business project, um, I actually spoke to about three or four different coaches um, and I landed on one and there was one that just completely wasted my time. Like I, I actually had to end the call um because I was like they they weren't actually listening to what I was saying and they were trying to get me to think the way they think instead of listening to what I was saying I needed from this from this call and they were trying to lead me to their own method and I was like no this isn't gonna work and from the beginning of that call I was like uh you know what this is not for me this is not what I'm looking for and they just kept pushing and I was like no this is not working (laughs) That's not good. Well, and that's a, a true and tried um, sign of a really bad coach is the best coaches in the world are able to actively listen and they're going to repeat back in your words as the client what you just said so you feel heard. And they're not going to just push their tactics or have a really heavy sales pitch right in the very beginning. They're going to ask you, hey, would you like to hear some ideas that might work for the problem you just shared to get Mm. permission first? And then they're also listening and pivoting what they might share with you to the point of, I don't want to overwhelm her. She's already really stressed out. Let me just share one idea and see how she responds to that. The coaches that listen the best and make you feel safe and like you can trust them, those are the good coaches. The coaches that feel pushy and like they're not hearing anything you say, they're not going to be a good fit for you. They're going to make you uncomfortable. I mean, let's be real. All coaches make you uncomfortable because they're helping you grow. But there's a safe way to do that after you've built some trust. No, for sure. Hi, friends. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but I just wanted to remind you to share this podcast with a friend if you find it insightful or interesting and subscribe to the show. Also, it will really help us out if you could leave a review or even take a snapshot of your you listening to our podcast and uh, share it with a quote that you enjoyed with the hashtag refreshingly human. You can also find me on the socials. Uh, I'm on Instagram as refreshingly human podcast and Facebook as refreshingly human. Now I'll let you get back to listening. Yeah, I mean, I uh, speaking to you, you sound so confident. You sound like you know what you're talking about. So would you like to tell us a little bit about why did you decide to become a coach? What was the appeal for you? 
Yeah. So I was working as a leader climbing the corporate ladder, like everybody else in society. And I had made it pretty far, pretty far up the ladder, but I kept getting layoffs. So I was producing at a very high level, was getting, you know, the highest commendations and all of the amazing bonuses and just amazing programs I was launching globally for these huge companies like Visa and Treasury Wine Estates and Safeway. So I knew I was a top performer. And yet the feedback I was getting externally was just getting laid off and not feeling like there was any loyalty or value to the work that I was putting in. And that was also paired with having some health setbacks and feeling the stress of all of those transitions and negative experiences in the corporate environment was affecting my physical well-being. And so instead of repeating that pattern, I became aware of it and stepped back and decided I wanted to do something different. I wanted to intentionally design my life. And that meant going into business for myself. That meant doing contract work to support myself as I grew my business development and figured out and got more clear on the niche that I was serving. And it gave me so much more control of my life and Mm -hmm. more empowerment and more joy. So I want to know that that transition from working a corporate life to stepping into your own business, was it a scary transition to make? Was it something that maybe made you feel like, oh my God, can I do this? Um, what, What were the thoughts behind that? What were the feelings behind that? I think anything and anytime we're in a big transition where it's the right thing, it's always going to feel scary Mm. uh, to some degree. Now, for me, the sweet spot is it's just uncomfortable enough and just scary enough. But deep down inside, I know I can make it work. Mm. And so when I have that that peaceful feeling of, oh, this is scary, but it's really exciting and I know I can make it work. That to me is the sweet spot for growth and and making sure that I'm constantly stepping into a bigger version of myself mm-hmm. because ultimately when we're transforming, there's always going to be fear. There's always going to be doubt. And it's just making sure that you're showing up against those fears and saying, okay, I hear you. And you're trying to say there might be danger, but realistically, the worst thing that would happen is, and then spelling that out and having a contingency plan for that and just moving forward. You can't just sit and be stuck in the same place. It's about constant momentum. Sure. I mean, yeah, you, you, you speak a lot about fear and, um, you know, being, being able to face that fear and be comfortable with it. And I, I totally agree that we are, you know, I, I always say that change is always scary for everyone. You know, we, we get comfortable where we are and, to make that change, no matter what it is, there's some level of fear. It could be a little bit of fear. It could be a lot of fear. Um, and I like I like how you said that you had that peaceful feeling. Um, personally, myself, there are changes in my life where I've had that feeling. And there were changes in that life where I totally felt, oh, my God, what is happening? I can't do this. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> Yeah. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I I went through a divorce many years ago. And I at the same time I went through my divorce, I had just moved across country, I didn't know anybody really hadn't really invested in growing my community or friends out that way. Um, I was also facing a layoff while I was going through that looking for a new place to live. So all of the top five stressors, except for a death in the family were there. 
And yeah, there were moments where I was like, how, what, what is happening to me? Why is this happening? I can't survive this. And I, I really hit a rock bottom for me during that time. But I think when we have seasons of fear that shake us to the core and hit a new rock bottom for us, and we somehow survive that, whether that's leaning on people for support or getting help professionally, um, whatever that looks like, when you navigate that and you dig your way out of it, there's so much empowerment and confidence behind that. You just build trust within yourself from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that's definitely a journey to go through. And I think that if you can be that self-aware to be able to grow from your fear, that's amazing. Um, and speaking of fear, I did read on your your profile um, that you actually came face to face with a an actual bear. Yep, an oh, actual bear. Oh my gosh! Can you tell me about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is everybody's favorite story that I have, and it's it's really just so powerful. Um, so when I went through that divorce and I hit that rock bottom, part of what I recognized was that I was very codependent in that marriage. And so I joined a um, Celebrate Recovery group to heal my codependency. And it's kind of like a step study around codependency versus like alcoholism or addiction. And so I owned up to the fact that that was my part of what failed in the marriage. Well, part of that journey was you're supposed to do a spiritual inventory of all the wrongs you've done in your life. And I was feeling a lot of resistance around that. So I decided, oh, I'm going to go backpacking in the woods and, and, you know, do the spiritual inventory. So I stopped getting resistance. And I also knew that ultimately facing my own mental chatter, sleeping alone in the woods, completely alone was probably the most terrifying experience that I could put myself in. And I was like, okay, well, if I could do that, I can do anything. So it was challenging myself on two levels. So the second day of that backpacking trip, um, (laughs) I went and I was hiking out back to my car and I hadn't seen anybody for four days. And I looked down and there's a fresh set of paw prints and another small, smaller set of paw prints. And I realized immediately I was out there with a mama bear and her baby cub, which is every backpacker's worst nightmare. And as I turned the corner, sure enough, there was mama bear. She immediately saw me and she began charging at me. And the first time she charged at me, I literally saw my whole life flash before my eyes and time stood still. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm so glad I journaled forgiveness to all these people and I'm in a good place to go. And, and, but then at the same time, these backpackers had just shown me how to charge a bear back. And so that came back to me and I took a step forward and I was like, you know, back at the bear. And she looked at me stunned and she walked away. It worked and it was incredible. And the reason I always share this story, especially when I'm as a speaking engagement is if I can face a bear in the woods and live to tell you the story, we all have bears in our life. So that could be leaving an abusive relationship for you today. That could be starting your own business, but you're afraid it might fail. That could be so many things. So whatever the bear today that you're facing in your life is, there is no bear too big for you to charge head on. You can get through it. You can get through anything. That is powerful. And I can imagine the impact it had on your life, like you said, to actually have experience that, you know, facing that bear face to face and you know, having that feeling that I can actually do anything. It's so powerful. Um, I think it it's 
probably more powerful to you that you experienced it. And of course, it has an impact on people you tell it to. But firsthand experience is something as well. I'm sure it gave you a lot of braveness to face life after that. Yeah, I will say that other fears, because I'm a road cyclist, I used to be afraid of crosswinds knocking me off my bike. I remember later that week, I was on my bike with some friends and it was windy. And I used to be terrified of the wind. And I'm like, I faced a bear in the woods and live. This is not scary. Like this is this is totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's so cool. I love that. Amazing. So we want to talk more about this year, 2020. You know, it's been a tough year. Um, we've all had dealt with some difficulty or the other during this year. So I want to know from you, what kept you motivated throughout this year? And was there anything that you achieved in this year, despite what was going on that you are particularly proud of? Yeah, great question. So um, what kept me, what always keeps me motivated, especially when things become difficult, I use visualization every morning. And when I'm visualizing every morning, I'm visualizing my one-year goal, my five-year goal, my 20-year goal. And for me, that's creating a nonprofit that's helping children around confidence and soft skills and being mindful and all the things we don't teach in the education system that would help us have powerful future generations. And part of my vision is also helping serve more moms and women start their own business so that they can be the model for their kids. Because I believe that healing across our globe starts with the family at home. So helping the moms at home and helping those kids show up in a really profound way is so important. So anytime I'm facing a setback and 2020 has had so many of them and so many crises, I just dig into that deeper. I remind myself why I'm doing everything that I'm doing mm. and I stay on task and I take small actions every day to get closer to that end goal. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, I think that is really important to remember why. I guess it's not just a why we are here question. It is a why we are doing what we are doing question. And that that is definitely a great source of motivation, a great source to, you know, the question of why are we doing this will seep into every decision we make for that day, for that month, for, towards that pro product project. So it is, it's a really important um, question to keep in our mind. But I do love that you say that you do, you do this every morning, you visualize your one year, your, you know, your five year, your 10 year, every single morning. Yes, every single morning. Does it because, change? I mean, yeah, of course, it expands and it grows over time. And I, I love to when you visualize, you're working with all of the senses. So you're hearing things from people, you're seeing things, you're smelling things, you're feeling things. And I mean, what better way to start your morning than what you're trying to build and the dream that you have, because then you get excited and your perspective is energized and you're excited for what the day has to offer. And the days where I don't do that, because I don't know, I have a really early appointment or an emergency or I'm not feeling well, I am not as productive. I'm not as happy. Um, I'm not as present and I don't achieve as much. So it's a really powerful tool you can use for anything. You can use it for the relationship that you want, how you want your family environment to be, anything. Anything, yeah. So walk me through like your morning routine, for example. So what what time would you generally wake up and when would, what time would you do this visualization? When would you start work? What's your morning like? 
Well, that's a great question because I just moved from California to North Carolina. And so because I am serving people on both coasts, I used to get up earlier, but now I'm intentionally not driving to get up as early on the East Coast because I'm serving clients in two time zones. So with that being said, I am typically getting up around seven o'clock in the morning on this time zone. And I am getting my coffee and then I'm doing my meditation. So I like to quiet my mind. I use Calm, the app, and it's usually a 10-minute guided meditation or silent. And it's important to start there because some days my mind is very active and it's hard for me to do a visualization until I get it quiet. And then from there, I go into my visualization practice. And some mornings it's shorter and it's just kind of tapping into it quickly And some mornings on the weekends, I'll spend like 30 minutes to an hour visualizing it. And that's where the vision grows and becomes more crystallized and clear. And I get ideas that are relevant to today where I can take action or, you know, connect with somebody that's going to get me closer to that goal. And then after that, I like to journal. So I'll write down reflections, things I'm grateful for, ideas, and I keep post-it notes for things that I want to take action on that came to me intuitively during that morning session. Um, sometimes I also do affirmation work. So if I have a lot of fears or negative thoughts or limiting beliefs coming up, I'll start to try to transition that through affirming the new beliefs that I want to take hold of to get rid of that negative belief. Sure. And how long have you been doing this for? Um, I've been doing this for about three to five years. Um, okay. I'm not as not as consistent until the last couple of years. Sure. Yeah, because that, that's one thing I would find like with my own routines, it takes a long time to get them to a point of consistency, right? So I mean, it sounds amazing. And it must be really amazing for you that you are doing all of these things right now. But what would you say to someone who is struggling to form that consistency with these kind of habits and maybe they feel bad because they are falling short of these things. Yeah. Start with, you know, one to five minutes every morning. If you're doing a one minute meditation and just breathing, great. That's a starting place. And if you want to do, you know, a five minute visualization about how you want your day, your week, your year to go great. I mean, it's, it's simple. Just start with something small and do that for a month. And that's how you build a new habit. And then as you realize that it's helping you in a positive way and you're more excited or more calm or whatever the benefit is for you, then start adding new things onto it on the days that you're not as busy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I think that it's definitely a very personalized decision what kind of routine we want to have in our lives. But what you're doing seems to be something that's really great and working for you. And I would love to see how you develop in the future with your visualizations and see if you have uh, managed to, I hope you will reach your goals in the future as well. It sounds very positive um, routine for yourself. Yeah, and I I agree. It is very, very personal. So for me, that was really powerful. For some people, they can't relate to visualization. For some people, it's exercising because that gets them into a state of flow and creativity. So it's really just figuring out what works for you and what brings you excitement and motivation every single day. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I don't like to put like to put pressure on people that we have to be like meditating every morning or we have to be doing yoga every morning. I feel like it's it's like, you know, like such a personal thing um, for what works for one 
often does doesn't work for the other and yeah we do definitely have to find our thing um but let's circle back to fear because that was like a really big part of your journey and i want you to tell us do you think that fear can be a motivator so on the last season i did a whole uh, episode on fear and we spoke quite a bit about um fear with like a cbt practitioner and there was just a lot of conversation around this and i know that fear is a very scary emotion if we don't know if if we're not familiar with it if we're not in touch or in tune with it how do you think we can use fear in a positive way and is it a motivator yeah so fear is basically there to help us survive right so instinctively in the caveman days fear was there to alert us to something that was going to potentially risk our life now in modern day times our brains are still the same brains we had back then they've evolved some but not fully and so a lot of fear we perceive to be a threat against our life and so we react because of how our brain is in a fight or flight mode but in modern times a lot of the fears that we face are not threatening our life or really even our well-being they are just you know a, an email that upsets us or a close call sitting in traffic and yeah that could be dangerous it could risk your life but it didn't happen and so it's understanding how the brain operates and how we can get ourselves back to what we call a parasympathetic state of mind so that we're not releasing all these terrible cortisol um, hormones through the system, which creates stress and a lot of physical damage. So let's say I have a close call in traffic. I can just do some breathing and recognize, hey, that was scary. My brain is freaking out right now. I'm starting to release cortisol. But instead of going down that and making it worse, I can just start breathing really deeply. I'm mm. safe. I'm okay. I'm going to take the next two to five minutes to breathe until my heart rate slows down. And I'm just going to keep repeating in my head, I'm safe. Everything is okay. So it's reminding ourselves that that's the better way to cope with modern time fears. Mm. Now, that's a fear that's like not real. But we have fears where I lost my job and I need financial income. And that's a legitimate fear. Now, instead of letting that take you down a rabbit hole of worst case scenarios and storylines that have not occurred, there are steps that we can take practically to navigate that. So we're set up for success to get that next job to take care of those financial burdens. So that's just kind of high level why fear is there. And yeah, it, it motivates you because if you lost your job and you have, you're supporting four kids at home, you're going to be very motivated to get another job because you need to support your family. But you can't let it take it to the point where it's actually causing physical harm because then you're not going to be successful navigating that. Yeah, I, th I just want to like just point out to the listeners as well that we did do an entire episode with uh, Sarah, our CBT practitioner who was on the show last season. And she did get a lot uh, into the depths of fear. So she extended on the fight and flight as well. Apparently, there's two more that we don't know about. <laughs> and uh, she also spoke a lot about irrational fears and uh, our the psychological effects, the physio physiological effects of uh, irrational fears like panic attacks and stuff. So there's a whole lot to unpack there. But definitely, I think that when we have a fear like losing our job or something like that, we can be motivated uh, use it as a motivator. Like I say, we need to tune in and be familiar with our emotions. 
as much as we can. And if we can listen to them, and if we can hear what they're saying to us, we can actually move in the right direction. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Inside Out, but it's the Pixar film where the emotions are actual characters. Yeah. And if you look at the fear character, I like to tell clients and people I'm working with, when fear shows up, sure, listen to fear. Fear is there to tell you, hey, there's a traffic light, you need to stop. Or, hey, there's this fork in the road and it could be dangerous. You need to be considering all these factors before making a choice. So it's more about having a logical conversation that's calm with fear and saying, okay, this is legitimate fear. And here's some of the things that I could do to navigate that. The problem is when people let fear take the steering wheel. So fear is at that center console in the movie and it's saying, I am navigating your life and everything that you see is going to be from the perspective of fear. Mm. When we only let fear drive us, it locks out creativity, it locks out opportunity, it locks out being able to receive support from people. So that's the danger. And and especially in the entrepreneurial space, it's a roller coaster. There's mm. always going to be new fears to navigate. So you need to become intimately um, clear with how to navigate your fears to be successful. No, for sure. Well, what would you say to our listeners um, who might have just really been struggling this year or who feel like they need to become more motivated for the next year? They're just not feeling, you know, they're just feeling done (laughs) with 2020. I mean, a lot of us are feeling done with 2020, but what would you say to boost our motivation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, first of all, I think that there's a lot of power in doing some kind of ritual or something that works for you in letting go. So reflecting on what you did not like about this year and everything that went well for you this year and just acknowledging that, maybe writing it down and burning it and just releasing that. And then thinking about what you want to build next year. So let go of all of the junk that happened this year. Let go of um, everything that you didn't hit, um, the shoulds, the coulds, the would haves, all of that. Throw that out the window and then start from scratch and really think and vision out exactly what you want to build for this next year and realize that each day is a fresh start. And this last year does not define you. So even though I have heard so many horrifying stories from this past year from clients and loved ones, this does not define you. You can always start fresh tomorrow. It doesn't have to be January 1st. Start today and start dreaming about what you want to do and then just take one small step towards that. That's all it takes. If we took one step every day, we would grow 365% each year. That's incredible. That is incredible. Definitely. So yeah, I think that was already a very actionable step. So I was just going to say that we we, we like to give our audience a very action, uh, actionable step. And I think that's exactly what you said. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to give us, like uh, any actionable steps that we can take to reach goals in the new year or just to find that motivation again? So you've already given, given us one. Is there anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> Yeah. So I think it's something like 92% of people that set um, their New Year's resolutions fail to meet them. A lot of this is because they'll write them out and they'll throw them away. My one call to action today is that you write five goals, not resolutions, five specific, measurable, tangible, reasonable goals that will change your life 360 degrees. Write them down 
and put them as wallpaper on your computer, wallpaper on your phone, put it on your bulletin board, share it with your family, share it with your colleagues and have them remind you, put calendar reminders to check in every month on your progress towards your five goals. The, the whole thing around resolutions and goals is if we forget it, we won't make progress. And if they're too big and we don't have small steps beneath them, we won't, we'll feel like it's too overwhelming. So write out your five big goals and start taking small, tangible steps towards them. Yeah. Could you give us an example of five goals that would be on that list? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I want to grow my coaching business by 50% by June of 2021. That's specific, measurable, tangible, and actionable, right? Is that um, realistic? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't know. Like 50% is like, it's a big number. Is that is that realistic in six months? It is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. it, obviously, beneath each goal, what I have is I have specific milestones beneath each of those of what needs to happen. How many um, calls, sales calls do I need to have? How many marketing initiatives? How many online um, call uh, online talks do I need to have? So if you really want to get nitty gritty about it, you have the five big goals and then you have specific steps you're doing so that you accomplish them to make them real. Kind of like a smart goals kind of a, a thing, right? So like one smart goal and the specific steps for each goal that would... Yes, it's also um, for people that are really analytical, it's kind of like a project plan. So you've got the SMART goal, and then you've got all the steps and milestones along the way to hit it by that deadline. Yeah, I like that. I think that that's something that definitely would work for me. Um, I, I've already spoken about what I do when it comes to my goals for the new year, but that's definitely something I would employ to my branding and podcasting work. Um, I think that's definitely applicable there <laughs> so yeah for podcasting you could say I want to grow my viewership by 15% by the end of the year I want to interview eight influencer guests that have an audience of a million or more things like that you know I love that yeah no definitely that's those are tangible act actionable steps that Awesome. So Holly, it's been great chatting to you. You seem so confident and um, so put together. And I really loved what you brought to us tonight. There was a lot of value in that. Where can the listeners find you? Um, and what, what, what do you have to offer as well? Yeah, so my website is hollyjeanjackson.com. And my podcast is Inspiration Contagion, which is on all of the major podcasting outlets. Um, what I have to offer, you can always book a uh, complimentary coaching call. So if you're kind of curious, huh, you know, I might want to learn more about coaching or figure out how to manage my stress or how to launch my business, you can book that on the website under schedule an appointment. It's complimentary. It's 30 minutes for you investing time into yourself to hit that next goal. And on the podcast, if you're looking for inspiration during dark times, I am interviewing inspiring leaders from all around the world that are doing amazing things and have amazing resources for the listeners yeah i checked out holly's podcast you have quite a uh, interesting list of uh, guests there uh, it's quite impressive 
And yeah, I definitely agree with taking those complimentary calls. I haven't had one with Holly, but when I was um, coach shopping, <laughs> I, I definitely made use of those uh, calls. And uh, even some of them do audits as well, like Instagram audits and stuff. I made use of that as much as I could to even just to get to know them, to get to know what they're offering before you make an informed decision, because we are all so different and we all want something different. We get along with people on different levels and we want different things at different times that maybe one coach is not able to offer what we need right now to us and someone else is. So it's definitely worth doing that. Homework. Yeah. I think part of the shopping process when you're looking for a coach is, if they're willing to take you on as a client before talking to you, that's a red flag. I, I never offer coaching programs to anyone until I am confident I can help them with what their problem is. Amazing. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, Holly, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, good luck with your pro many, many projects. I'm sure you're going to be very successful. I'm going to be keeping an eye out on your growth as well. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. It's been great having you join me today. If you liked my content, please do share it with a friend you think would find it interesting and subscribe to the show as well. I would love to have you listening in to many episodes to come. You can find me on the socials. I'm on Facebook as Refreshingly Human and Instagram as Hannah Pillow. See you next time.